In today's episode, I am going to have another registered dietitian on the show to join me to talk about supplementation. This was first kind of provoked by a question that came in from a listener submitted question. If you ever have questions, just go to veggiesandvirtue.com forward slash ask. That's just A-S-K. And you can leave me a voice message that I can answer on the show myself or for times like this, I can invite a resident expert on such as Ayla. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. As we jump into today's episode, I want to first and foremost say thank you to Stephanie Brown for submitting this question over at veggiesandvirtue.com slash ask. I appreciate your patience in getting this reply, not only from myself, but also so that I could have Ayla on the show to help us better understand some of the supplement needs that we as moms have and some of the things we might also want to be considering as we introduce or include supplements for our family. So we are going to go ahead and listen to Stephanie's question, and then I will introduce you all to Ayla for today's episode. Hi, I'm listening to your current episode on having a plan, and you're talking about the um, hair plan that you follow. I am interested in that hair plan that you follow, but I also have some questions. You were talking about um, postpartum after having kids. You know that you're currently done having children. Do you feel as a dietitian that as women we should take extra vitamins or supplements, anything um, in that nature? to help our hair, our skin, whatever it may be. Um, so I was just wondering about that. Thanks for sharing your episodes. So Stephanie, this was a great question, and I think one that so many of us have. I'll make sure to link a lot of the different things, including the episode that Stephanie was referencing, but also a lot of the things that Ayla shares with us today, because Ayla is the resident expert on all things women's health, all things supplementation, all things in the window of fertility. So whether you are looking at prenatal supplementation, which I know a lot of us is kind of when we first get introduced to the increased and additional needs of supplementation for motherhood, but also for those who might be looking at postnatal or just in general perinatal nutritional needs, Ayla is going to give us some really helpful insight to help you kind of consider different aspects of what you might be needing and how to make sure you're taking a quality supplement. And because Ayla and I had such a great conversation on this topic, I'm going to go ahead and break it up into two separate episodes. So you'll hear part one of the interview today on this episode, and you'll get part two on Wednesday as the second half of the interview, just to make it a little bit more manageable for mom life, and yet also make sure that you get all the information that you might find helpful. So without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce you to Ayla. Ayla Barmer is a registered dietitian nutritionist, and for almost 20 years, she has advanced the health and empowerment of thousands of clients, patients, peers, and mentees by fusing her expertise in nutritional science, functional medicine, and evidence-based holistic solutions. 
While currently on sabbatical from private practice work, Ayla owns and serves as the practice director of Boston Functional Nutrition, an integrative functional nutrition practice specializing in women's health and fertility. Ayla is also the co-founder of the Women's Health Nutrition Academy, which she'll speak to briefly on this episode, where they lead the way in providing continuing education to healthcare practitioners. Most notably, and one of the reasons why I asked Ayla to come on the show today is because Ayla is the founder and the CEO of Full Well, a fertility wellness brand widely endorsed by top practitioners for its high-quality evidence-based supplements and educational efforts. Ayla is on a mission to make the most current science accessible to the public. And so after today's episode, I know you may want to follow up with Ayla and you can always find her sharing her knowledge through the Knowledge Well, which is Full Well's informational hub that supports families with expert information and the power of choice. So without further ado, let's get into today's interview. Today we have a very special guest with us. I'm excited to have registered dietitian Ayla Barmer with us because she is going to help us answer this listener submitted question as we dive into all things supplementation. So Ayla, go ahead and share with our listeners a little bit more about yourself and some of your journey professionally or personally that's kind of led you to this point in your professional career, but also in your life. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Ashley. I I love your podcast and all the resources that you put out. I use them personally as a mom of two with my kiddos um, who have gone through all sorts of seasons and phases of eating and not eating. (laughs) So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a registered dietitian. I have always loved the nutrition field. I've worked in a lot of different niches within nutrition, as I, especially in the early years, as I tried to figure out where I really wanted to focus my time. But most of my career has been spent in private practice. I built it's a multi-clinician private practice, Boston Functional Nutrition, where I saw a range of individuals, but primarily specialized in fertility, infertility. So I worked and women's health. So I worked with a lot of women and couples. So men as well, men often get left out of the equation, which we might touch on in this interview. I don't know, but, but I did work with a lot of couples with fertility over the years and really the goal for me, we were just talking about this off offline before we got started. It uh, was always to build this private practice. And I absolutely loved the work, but one, one thing that started to happen as I integrated supplements into my client protocols. And I did that because I was seeing the gaps in diet and how difficult it was to fill those gaps. And there's a lot of different reasons why those gaps exist. And it's not always just personal choice when it comes to food. So again, maybe we'll talk about that. But as I started to see the gaps and where supplements could fill those gaps, I was really disappointed with one, the lack of evidence behind a lot of formulas. When I I felt like I had to piece together a lot of things and hack a lot of things and just, it was hard to find formulas that I really felt like were developed by health practitioners, by nutrition experts. So there was that piece. I really wanted evidence-based dietary supplements to use with my practice clients. But then the other big issue was the lack of transparency around quality and safety, which I think a lot of consumers, a lot of my clients, myself had concerns with that. What are you putting in your body? How do we know what's in the product is what it, it says on the label. And so as a practitioner, not being able to get the answers I wanted, I 
kind of naively <laughs> decided, well, I could just do this myself. And I really, with the idea that I wanted to get behind the curtain, I wanted to be a nutrition expert creating nutrition supplements that I felt were tested and quality controlled to the extent that I wanted. And that's what led me to found Full Well. And really that wasn't me thinking I'm going to start a brand that will be what it, what it is today. It was really, I wanted to create products that I would use in my practice when I launched it, just to kind of wrap this up, when I launched it, colleagues appreciated the formula, the evidence behind them, the transparency around the quality control we were doing. And so it was kind of last minute that I put it up in a website available to order, honestly, for, for anybody. And I'm glad I did because I think over the past four and a half years that we've been around now, it's really helped a lot of people. And I feel really proud of, of the products that we produce now and that we are doing it I think differently than many. So that's where I am today. I spend most of my time running full well. As I mentioned to you, I think it fills a lot of my buckets because we produce a big part of the of full well's mission is to educate with evidence-based solid resources that can really help provide the context in which you take dietary supplements because we never just want to take supplements on their own. So that that's where I am today. I, I do continuing education for health practitioners. I run full well and yeah, that's so that that's how I got to where I am. <laughs> I love that. And I appreciate you sharing kind of your journey because I, I don't even know when you and I first connected, but to know just kind of the back end of how you've gone into it and how you've seen a need and said, Hey, I could do this and to watch you go through that process. Cause as a dietitian, I would be completely intimidated to in, endure that process, but to see your commitment to the quality of the supplements that full well offers has been really inspiring, but it's also helped me really evaluate what, what type of supplements are, am I including in my client protocols and things like that. And so obviously I work more in the pediatric space, but considering 95% of the people I work with are moms of the children that I'm working with supplementation often comes up and Oftentimes we're not talking as much about the maternal need for supplementation with the clients that I work with, but as you and I are going to dive into today, a lot of different angles of this, but how the overarching themes that we need of things we need to consider when it comes to supplementation, whether it's choosing a supplement for our child or in line with a lot of the supplementation that full well offers the quality and integrity of the supplementation that moms may and maybe should be taking and things like that. So can you kind of dive into this? Because we will definitely touch on men too, because as you mentioned, specifically in the fertility space, men are often left out of the equation. And I do want to bring them into the conversation today, but seeing how, I mean, almost all of my listeners are women and hopefully they will share this information with any partners, but um, I'd love for you to just kind of walk a mom through some of the supplementation perspective that they maybe should, would, could have when it comes to prenatal and fertility or pregnancy, postpartum, mm -hmm. and then thereafter. Because as mentioned in the listener submitted question, where there's different issues or questions or concerns that come up at different seasons mm -hmm. of motherhood. A lot of us know to take prenatals, but then beyond that, a lot of people are kind of like, I don't know if and when I should be doing anything or taking mm -hmm. anything or so I'd love for you to just kind of break it down for our listeners in terms of if you were to look at the the lifespan of a mom and obviously you've lived through this, but you professionally do this all the time and now specialize in helping fill these nutritional gaps. I would love for you to kind of help shed some light on moms on some of the nutritional considerations uh, they may want to have when it comes to supplementation. 
Yes, absolutely. So yeah, so I'd like I like to look at okay, where where are the gaps in our diet and why across most women throughout their throughout their lifespan and and different nutrients come into play as being more important during different phases of life, but I'll give I'll give a few examples. Choline is is an example of a nutrient that 95 plus percent of women are are not even meeting the adequate intake level for. And you and I know adequate intake level is kind of really the the, it's really kind of the bare minimum. I mean, a lot of the RDAs, DRIs, the the recommended daily allowances, right, that are set are are pretty low for for many nutrients. Some haven't been reevaluated since even World War II, when it was really a matter of what do we what do we need just to survive, not necessarily thrive. And we're living in different times now. So we know that um, 95% of women are not meeting the minimum amounts for choline and that the minimum amounts for choline based on newer research is actually double, uh, if uh, even a little bit more than double what um, it's currently set at. So it's safe to say that no one is reaching their choline intake level or most people are not, right? And so choline though is one of those tricky nutrients. I like to highlight that one first because... <clears throat> It is in foods like eggs, it's in liver, it's it's higher in organ meats. You find it in animal-based foods more prevalent than in, or in larger quantities for sure, than you find it in plant-based foods. So if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, and you've probably heard this before, your listeners, you're more at risk for, for nutrient deficiencies and have to put a special emphasis on certain nutrients, but choline is just so critical for neurological health for, for, for women throughout their life. But in the fertility, the preconception and pregnancy stage, and, and actually into breastfeeding, it's so important for babies, neurological development. And in fact, um, it becomes increasingly important directly preconception because by week five of pregnancy, which is uh, before some people have even taken a pregnancy test uh, and confirmed a pregnancy, the neural tube closes. And so listeners may or may not have heard of neural tube defects before. We This is why the food supply was fortified with folic acid. There's a lot of attention on folic acid and folate in neural tube uh, defects, but actually choline plays a vital role. And so I, I get really concerned and, and want to educate on putting an emphasis on choline intake throughout your life, but, but certainly pre, really putting a special emphasis on it in that three to six months preconception through pregnancy and then into breastfeeding as well. So that baby gets what they need, your stores are protected, and we can prevent complications that can arise from directly from a nutrient deficiency. So choline is a really good example. And I kind of took a deep dive into just one single nutrient there. Should I pull it back up and, and talk about some others? Yeah, I think it, it's helpful because it sheds light on the intricacy and the detail and the developed needs, not only for that we as women have, but also that was passed along to our infants, even at the earliest phase of conception. And so I think it's helpful because it does shed light on just one of the many nutrients mm -hmm. that a lot of us probably haven't even thought about. I know for you and I, obviously choline has become a lot more front and center over the past years, but I think even back to when my oldest, who's now nine was born versus now the recommendations for our children in terms of supplementation. And you mentioned some of the things like the fortification of folic acid and the, the need there. And we see some of the regulatory changes that help mm -hmm. people meet these. But I think the challenge becomes is for moms who 
don't have any idea and at no fault of their own. Mm -hmm. You and I are in this space and it still can be challenging to keep up with the recommendations. And not only that, but the deficit that often exists between what the recommended amount is and what our actual needed intake would be. And so I think it's helpful to kind of shed light on just one of many areas nutritionally that different moms may need. Would you say if a mom was looking to just kind of supplement in one area or kind of Mm -hmm. say, okay, I'm going to take my one thing. Oftentimes it's, we're looking at, if they know nothing else, they know for babies, iron, and maybe if we're lucky, they know vitamin D by now. Yeah. But would you say for moms, if they're looking at their supplementation specifically, choline is where one of the places you would really suggest they start, or is there kind of a broader scope multivitamin? I know Fullwell offers a variety of different supplement options. But where would you kind of guide a mom who's starting in this journey and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. am I void in some of these things and maybe where could I start, whether it be before when trying to conceive or when looking into fertility, or maybe oftentimes it's that in between kids, if maybe I did Mm -hmm. or didn't know what to do last time, or maybe the recommendations have changed and now I'm either breastfeeding or postpartum and looking towards maybe having other kids or even in that postpartum window where yeah. if you don't plan on having any kids, what would your recommendation maybe be to that mom? Yeah. So let, so to start, I would say it, one thing that can be done throughout all stages really, that I think is a really solid choice. And this is actually not from the supplementation perspective, but really from a food choice perspective would be to include, to include some organ meats like liver into the diet. I say it's, I say that knowing that it's not a regular part of most people's diets. It's a strong flavor, right? There's a lot of strategies to incorporating those type of foods, but I want to mention that because it's a really affordable and easy way to add a ton, pack a ton of nutrient density and not just any nutrient density. It does happen to things like liver and other organ meats tend to be very rich in the nutrients that were that were chronically missing. Um, most most people are not getting enough of in or are are more likely to be deficient, but are so important for for hormone balance, for baby's development, for postpartum recovery, for breastfeeding. Um, so I, things like choline and B12 and folate, I mean, you could find those in their richest concentrations in something like liver. And so I want to mention that because I think if someone's just starting out and they're not sure, and we're going to talk more about supplements and the ins and outs of quality and evaluating that, but if they're really not sure about supplementation, that can be a really accessible thing to do. Again, usually is inexpensive. You can, you don't need a lot, a couple of ounces to a few ounces a week is going to give you a ton of nutrition and you can integrate it into something like a meat sauce, a meatloaf, like something that you're already cooking where you can kind of hide those flavors. Lily Nichols, who's a friend of mine and we collaborate a lot on she, on her website, lilynicholsrdn.com. Yeah. I know she's got a lot of liver recipes and ways to integrate that in. And so I just want to make that recommendation first. I think there's, there's different considerations depending on what stage of life you're in. If you're, if you are postpartum and thinking about having another and growing your family further, if you're preconception, I would really encourage you to focus on choline B12 and folate as the top three. It's kind of a trifecta because of how important they are to that neurological, that neural tube development and the very early stages of pregnancy and getting those levels up preconception is critical. And so 
again, you're going to find that really rich in, in uh, liver. You will find it in quality prenatals. I should have mentioned one of the tricky things about choline too, is it's a really large nutrient. And so it takes up a lot of space in supplements. And so you find it in, if it's in a, a prenatal or a supplement at all, it's usually in negligible quantities, like 10, 20, maybe 50 milligrams. And we're needing, we're needing more like thousands of milligrams of, of choline a day. So according to new, newer research, it's at least up to about a thousand through pregnancy and breastfeeding. So full well has 300 milligrams, which is one of the reasons why it'll, it'll tell you if your supplement is a one a day, it's probably not going to have enough choline to really help support or fill in the gaps of your diet. Yeah. So I think those are really important there. Vitamin D is a big one. And that has, as you mentioned, I think there's increased awareness around it. It doesn't matter where you live. I mean, we're finding at really every latitude across the globe that people are really needing and benefiting from supplementation of vitamin D and and why, I mean, we're not living in nomadic tribes anymore, right? We're not spending as much time outside. And if we are, we're using sun protection. And so there's, there's a lot of reasons why in our modern lifestyles where supplementation can be helpful. Maybe that's a, if that's of interest, we could go there next, because I think there's often the question of, at least I got it a lot in practice, like why supplement? Why can't I get everything I need? from diet. I should be able to get everything I need from food. And as a real food dietitian, which I I've, I've saw, I've described myself for years. I that's ideal. We want food first, but there are some very real reasons why our modern environments make that more difficult. Yeah. And I mean, I think you touched on so many important points, but we look at being at risk at certain phases, phases, whether it be because maybe they are, someone is pursuing a vegetarian or vegan lifestyle or an obvious life season like pregnancy and going through that season and recognizing not just our own needs, but that of our child. But then I think what we often forget is what puts us at risk because of lifestyle dynamics. Because like you said, whether it be the less sun exposure we have, or even I live in Houston here, we have plenty of sun, but we're also lathered up in SBF. 50 all the time. So some of these lifestyle dynamics that are often overlooked, I think could be a helpful way for us to kind of talk about, because I think for most of my listeners, it's looking at how do we kind of habit stack this? Because as as a mom, and as I know, as a mom, we can have the best of intentions to fuel our family properly and to make sure nutritional gaps. I mean, especially with the population I work with of picky eating, we're pretty aware that our kids are at risk for some of these nutritional deficiencies. But as moms, I think we often overlook maybe some of the areas that we might be deficient. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I loved, and I will link Lily Nichols site, because I think that would be really helpful for people to kind of see, but I was thinking of just what an opportunity it is when we're starting solids. Mm -hmm. So often you could look at what's the best source of X, Y, Z. And as you mentioned for several nutrients, it tends to be animal organ meat. And yet Mm -hmm. oftentimes we just kind of myself very much included, we just kind of skip over it and we're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. and we'll move on to the next best source. But I think if we could find ways to incorporate some of these food-based options first to see how can we do this for our family? So not only are we benefiting the nutritional gaps that our child may and likely does have, and if they're picky, creative ways to include some of these options but also satisfy our own needs and not just oftentimes we're, we're focused in on what our kids need before ourselves, but to see this could really benefit the family as a whole. And this becomes a little bit new of a adopted behavior for everyone so that 
it doesn't feel like a new thing. It just feels like doing an old thing differently. Mm-hmm. And often I say like, I don't want parents to work harder. I want them to work smarter because the reality is we're all feeding our families all day, whether it's easy and effortless or whether it's a headache and just treacherous day after day. And so some of the things that you mentioned, I think are helpful for us to kind of begin habit stack, but kind of twofold talk on that in terms of if it isn't a part of our lifestyle. And yet we look at some of the dynamics of modern lifestyle that perpetuate this challenge Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. why we can't fill in the nutritional gaps, even with the best of diets. Of course, I see it often in the pediatric space. And I think a lot of these trends really apply to everyone because we're all living in a modern society today, at least here in in the States and where most of my listeners are, but kind of walk through some of the elements of the modern lifestyle that you see Mm -hmm. and how similar to the inclusion of organ meat in a meatloaf or a meat sauce or something like that. And how that's just a simple switch we can begin to. Yeah. What do you see as some of like kind of the simplest next steps families could make to kind of not do a new thing, but do an old thing smarter? Yeah, that's, that's a great way to put it. Well, we know that one thing that leads to depletion or less nutrient density in our foods is the processing of food in our food supply or how long it takes for things like produce to make its way from farm to our door. And it's tricky, right? But I do think because we've gotten so accustomed to having apples, for example, 365 days a year, but could you start making some small shifts to eating a little bit more seasonally and looking for some more local produce in your area and putting organic, not organic, totally aside here. I think it just thinking about how nutrient dense that fruit or vegetable is, if it's, if it's grown closer to you, it's, it's going to be more nutrient dense pretty much across the board. The, the other thing is frozen produce. I'm a big fan of that because I think sometimes it's looked at like it's less nutrient dense, but actually the reality is it, it may be more because a lot of times if you are you are looking for specific fruits and vegetables at at times of year where they're not growing. Frozen is a great option because it's often flash frozen right near where it's been grown. And then that preserves a lot of that nutrition. So I think that that's one tip that I would, I would recommend because we do lose some nutrients and some nutrients are more susceptible to being lost as they travel to us and are exposed to light and air and heat and processing. So there's that piece. So for example, if you're going to make a smoothie, use frozen produce, like it's already going to get blended up. You don't really care about the texture, right? I think that's a great option. Same with like soups and stews. I think like frozen vegetables can be a really affordable and great way to incorporate things in there where again, texture is not as much of an issue. So that would be, that would be one recommendation. I think similarly, we also see soil depletion, the way that our crops are are farmed and grown. It's another real plug for if you can get any produce locally, especially by a smaller farm that's that's uh, growing a variety of things and rotating their crops, that's going to make a really big difference. So that, that can help a lot as well. And yeah, I think consider too, like your, your cooking methods and preparation too. So we want to try to avoid things that it's really, it's light, heat, air, and, and sometimes in the case of the next example I was going to give is, is water. So if you're boiling vegetables and and losing some nutrients to the water. So we're trying to really, I think one of the things you could do is small shifts to try to preserve or maximize the nutrient density in the foods that you're already purchasing and eating and incorporating into your family's diet. Yeah. All of those are such helpful tips and, and ones that I think you and I read about and tout 
often, but it's kind of some of those go-to for us, but the ones that are so often overlooked. And I do appreciate that while you've put so much love and commitment into full well, you're still speaking to foods first. You're still very much saying, yeah, these are so many simple, easy, affordable things you can do to what you're already eating without ever adding in a supplement. And yet so many of the tips you gave, and you can obviously speak to this better than I can, but parallel really what we look at when we look at the supplement space, because I I definitely want listeners to walk away from today, recognizing that there is a food first approach. We're not saying jump straight into supplementation, just as often as parents often say, what's the best protein powder to give my kid? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's jump into why you're even asking me that. Like, I'm not going to just jump there. So I definitely want families to satisfy their nutritional needs as best as they can food first. However, we do often as dietitians see that nutritional gap. So let's go ahead and pause there for today's episode. And we will pick up with part two of our interview with Ayla coming on Wednesday. So if this conversation and this topic is something of interest to you, make sure to tune back into the Veggies and Virtue podcast on Wednesday, and you can hear the second half of Ayla in my interview. It has been a joy having you on the podcast today. And if you've enjoyed it as well, I have a quick favor to ask. Do you mind hopping over to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a written review? This will only take you a hot second, but it truly blesses me every time I get to read what one of you write over there. And it allows me to bless others through this podcast and the episodes to come. The other thing that you can do is to take a screenshot of this episode and tag me over on Instagram at veggies and virtue. I would love to see what action steps that you're taking from this episode and also to support your family in the journey moving forward. Until next time, thanks for coming over to chat at my kitchen counter. Remember that you will always have a seat and a snack waiting for you here.